Welcome to the Fired Coaches Podcast with host Marcus Weger. Each episode, we take a detailed look into the trials and tribulations that college coaches had to go through in their career, reflecting on what matters most. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at Fired Coaches Pod. We appreciate you taking the time to listen. Episode number 33 of the Fired Coaches podcast. We have a special guest who I met basically over a decade ago now and then have kept in touch from a long distance. And he's really moved up the ladder on the women's basketball side. Spent a lot of time at Winthrop, Missouri State, George Mason, Illinois Springfield, most recently Georgetown, um, which ironically, episode 33, Patrick Ewing here, uh, recently as of May, took an assistant coaching job at McNeese State in Louisiana. So Coach Steve Yang, Thanks for taking the time to sit down and join us. And Marcus, thank you so much for having me, man. This is this is great. Um, you know, I've always enjoyed our, our friendship and and you know our time together, hanging out. And it's funny, you know, I've hit up the two Georges, and the last George in the D.C. area, I, I didn't hit up yet. I was playing around. I got to hit up all the three Georges, you know. So, but absolutely, it, it's great. What a journey! And and uh, you know, thank you so much for having me on. Appreciate you. Yeah, dude, we met, uh, I believe it was summer of 2009, Coach Buzz Williams. I think it was his going into his second year when he was at Marquette, and it was an awesome summer camp experience. I know we could probably talk on that alone from that short week that we were there, but I know you worked a lot of summer camps over your time kind of getting into the coaching world. What did you kind of learn most uh, from just working all those camps back in the day? You know, it I'll be honest, man. I had so much time doing it. I know camps can be pretty exhausting and, and tiring, but I had so much fun. It, it's just to see the the look in the kids' eyes and just to see how happy they are. It just takes it. It wears out on you. And but um, I, I I had so much time just just helping teach the game and making sure they're having fun. Most importantly, making sure that the kids are smiling. And you know, uh, and then obviously the the people I did it with, like like yourself. I mean, a lot of my friends in the game are from working these camps and going around different parts of the country, just, just meeting coaches, um, even players and get to know people, just, just seeing how they run their camps. Cause one day I'm going to do it. And which I did, I ran my own camps and what, whatnot. And I did still some of, uh, you know, camp ideas from different camps I've worked, but you know, buzz campus was, was that's a good camp. I, I like their camp, just the, the environment helped out too, but just the kids and making sure the coaches are there and everyone's there and Buzz Buzz has a presence, but him being there and being present uh, really helped out too. You know, I think it kept everybody on their toes, but just not not that, but just it, it made the kids feel like they're loved and appreciated. It's not a camp where you're showing up, you're paying and you don't see the head coach the last day, but he's there and we're there to help out. And for us, me personally, I just enjoyed every bit of it. It's just being around other coaches, but especially these little kids just, playing the game and having fun and smiling. No, that's the one thing that really stood, stood out to me, which you just touched on is, you know, Coach Buzz Williams being available that entire week. Like you mentioned, it wasn't just, oh, I'm going to show up on Monday morning, introduce things, and then show up on Friday afternoon when they're leaving. Like he was there all week and he really wanted to be at the highest level possible. Over the past year, like I just mentioned, you took that job at McNeese State um, on the assistant side for women's basketball, but you were just recently at Georgetown. How was it coaching this past year kind of in that, pandemic I don't want to say post-pandemic because we were still in it but we're, there was actually games played how was that for you when you were at Georgetown you know we had we were the last team actually to come back and, and really be activated to start practicing and go in, in the Big East and 
it was tough, you know, but most importantly, it was, we had to make sure everybody's health was at the forefront of everything. I mean, that was the, the most important thing and not just their physical health, but then again, you start thinking about their mental health and that played a big part because whenever you're starting to say, all right, well, we're going to put you in your dorm. You can't stay in there. You got the quarantine and whatnot. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. It kind of plays, it, 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 it plays with you, especially with the young 18, 19 year old uh, uh, college students. So we, we made sure that to reassure them to, to kind of stay positive, uh, you know, as much as possible. Um, basketball was kind of on the back burner. It was more so just make sure they're happy, make sure that they're good. I mean, we had players from all over the country. We did have a player from, a, from overseas that did not make it over because of, a, of the pandemic. I was bummed about that because, you know, I, I didn't get to see her. But, you know, you, uh, you take care of who, who you have now on campus. We were just making sure every trip we went to that we're, we're doing things right. I mean, you're crossing your T's and dotting your I's every single trip, more so than ever. Um, and it helps you to kind of stay accountable uh, and, and stay on top of your things. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was tough. It was tough for the players. I think it was kind of tough coaching. Coaching is a little bit different where you're trying to, you know, you're wearing a mask. We had to wear a mask the whole time. And, you know, your voice has got to project a certain way now. And you got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. So, um, you know, you, you make, make the most of it. And I think if anyone had to adjust the pandemic and stuff, it has to be a coach because we have to know how to change on the fly. Oh, they're going to press us, right? What do we do now? You know what I'm saying? They're dropping back to the zone. You know, what do we run? So it's the same thing. Okay, we have a pandemic. What do we do now? So we, I think we did, I mean, we did do a very, very good job there at Georgetown when we were there and just recruiting. Uh, we couldn't bring kids on campus. So just a lot of um, Zoom calls and talking to them. I, I was joking with a buddy of mine. I said, may the best salesman win, really, because you're really just talking, just talking recruits now. So but at the end of the day, it's just, um, you know, it, it was good. Coaching was a different mindset, and you get to see the game in a different manner. What was it like being in the Big East? It was fun. It was very competitive. You, you know, the travel was good. But, you know, you get to see high-level basketball and talent. Um, it, it was very entertaining. Really good good coach, great coaches in the, in the conference. So you're going up against the best. So, I mean, it, it was good times. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time there. Do you still have a pretty good uh, Jordan collection? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I do have a pretty good collection of Jordans. Um, it, it's, it's great. I mean, I love it. it it's great. But, uh, you know, I, I, I keep telling people that, um, you know, I, I would love to have an opportunity to coach and be an institution that I am able to coach opposed to, like, these shoes are great, but it comes and goes. It comes and goes. But I'm not going to lie. I have a really nice collection. It's still hanging on my uh you know on my shoe rack and I don't wear it obviously but I, I just it's just sitting there collecting dust I know I kind of mentioned uh you know a few of the places you're at so Winthrop Missouri State George Mason correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong but you were the director of ops at all those spots and then obviously mm -hmm. Georgetown as well Georgetown, um yep. but, but kind of excluding Georgetown those mm -hmm. first three how different of an experience was it even though you had that same role at all those different places yeah, you know, um, it's it's somewhat similar in a sense, but you kind of have to get to know what the administration, what what the school is all about, and then you kind of work around them. I mean, the roles are still the same. You're still make, making sure that you know you, you're dealing with your travel, your equipment, whatnot, the facilities, whatnot. But it's it's all about personality. It's all about protocols, going through the proper channels, knowing the people, and you have to come in, get in, and and know that immediately. 
Um, I know it takes time to get to know people, but you have to be intentional whenever you're at these places and get to know people, whether it's the maintenance person or, or, or the, um, the administrative assistant, um, even the, your SWA, you know, you have to get to know these people and, and, and be intentional about relationship building and cultivating that so that, you know, you can know who to go to and how to uh, make your job easier. You know, everything else stays the same, working hard, grinding in, in regards to travel, facilities, uh, scheduling, um, equipment, that doesn't change. But I think it's more so just knowing the uh, institution and what they are and what their expectations are. So you were let go as a part of that staff at Missouri State. What do you remember most from that, kind of that feeling? And what was kind of your mindset of like, okay, this is what I got to do next? Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you said uh, next because I, that, that's what I asked. And that's what I asked myself, like, what's next? Um, I remember we were, uh, we just finished our, our first round of the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. The coaches pulled to his side immediately. We didn't even get the chance to go to the locker room yet. Oh, really? And it was, it was announced. Pulled to his side, gave her the news. She gave our staff the news. And, uh, you know, immediately I asked myself, all right, what's next? So we went in, talked to the team. The next day or two, we went into the office as a staff and met. I just, the whole time I kept thinking and asking myself, all right, what's your next move? What's your next move? You know, you can't, you can't get too comfortable. Um, I, I think that's how it is in this game. You can't get too comfortable, but then again, come from comfortable enough to, to, to still do your thing, do your job. But whenever that happened, man, I was just so hungry and thirsty. I mean, I'm like, all right, I got to find a job. I got to take care of myself. At the time I, I wasn't married with no kids, no, not married. And I was by myself, but then again, you know, now it's different. But back then I was like, all right, I got to find a job and I got to take care of myself. I was just hustling, busting. And I think, Marcus, that that summer, I think I applied to about 50 plus jobs, about 50 plus jobs that whole summer. And <laughs> I was doing anything to try to make some money and just to make ends meet, you know, but it, it was tough. You know, different people have their their mindset. You know, some people take a little vacation, take a little breather, but you know, for me personally, I just, I, I just can't do that. If, if I, I felt like if I did that, I'd be two, three weeks, months behind everyone else. You were also at Illinois Springfield. So division two, uh, you're yeah. an assistant for some time. And then you're also actually the interim head coach for a while. Did you ever feel when you were in that interim stage that you were going to actually have a chance at getting that job full time um, without the interim tag? And then when you didn't, again, how did you just kind of persist and which to me is really impressive because we've had a lot of guests on here and everybody goes through it. You know, they always say, obviously, if you've been in it long enough, you're going to get fired or let go or have to figure out something else at some point. But there's some that really like yourself continue to push forward and grind at it. So, you know, a, did you, did you have a feeling you're going to possibly get that job and B when you didn't, you know, how did you just continue to move forward again? You know um, I, I honestly, I didn't think I was going to get the job. I still went after it. Um, I had a meeting with my uh, AD and, you know, she, she had informed me that they're not going to move me into the position, but I can hold on to it. And then I asked about the possibility of staying on board as an assistant coach with the new, whoever they hire. Um, obviously she said I was up to the head coach. You know, for me personally, I, I use rejection as motivation. I use it, uh, you know, in a way to, all right, well, let me prove you wrong. Let me prove why, you should have hired me. And I think, I don't know, I, I would assume a lot of coaches like that, but for me personally, 
I, I just, you know, one door closes, another one opens. And it's not my job. It's not necessarily my job to hire myself, you know, but it's my job to do my work and know what I'm good at. And it's other people's job to recognize that. And it's kind of like recruiting. If you can't see talent, then I, I don't know if you're doing your job right. So, or, or the best of uh, the best that you could. So, you know, for me with, with, with that position, you know, I, I still even stay in touch with the AD. She actually moved on to another institution and I still stay in touch with her. And, and I don't, ha I have no ill will towards any ADs or, or head coach that let me go. I mean, I, there, there's stories about that. that I won't, I don't know if we'll have time for, but, um, you know, that situation like that does come up. And so I've learned that, you know, you, you can't hold any animosity towards people. Uh, don't burn any bridges. And still, you know, it's, it's a business. It really is a business. I did try for it. It didn't work out, but I was still going to make the best of it and seized every moment and still ran the program like it was mine. And because you just never know, Marcus, you just never know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's really impressive how you've stayed in touch with people. And again, I'm not obviously telling you to have ill will towards somebody, but Again, I know there's other people that maybe, you know, burn a bridge or just kind of turn their head and continue on. So to, I think to keep those relationships is, is very impressive and says a lot about yourself as well. In May, I kind of touched on too, you were hired as a part of Lynn Kennedy's staff at McNeese State. You've transitioned, you're now down in Louisiana. Outside of what we talked about off air with the weather being probably a lot nicer than in some places maybe you've been in, you know, what kind of excites you most about being on staff as an assistant? And uh, I guess how crazy was your summer transitioning down to Louisiana? Well, I'll touch on the, on the transition first. Um, you know, it was very easy. Uh, my head coach is uh, coach Kennedy's great. He was very flexible and understanding. Uh, my family understands. If you look at my resume, I've, I've been to a lot of places, um, you know, within a couple of years or so, you know, George on four years, George Mason, two years, and then that, all the other schools a year, year, year. And my family knows that, you know, we move a lot and and that's what that's what it takes to to get to where uh, you want to be in your career for me personally that move was just another move it was a little bit further I'll say that I mean we, we it was about what 18 about 20 20 hours or so but um, we we took our time my, my wife was very supportive um, she <laughs> she's the one that really did everything for us uh, while I was still working and the kids you know the kids just they, they don't know better they don't, they're just, they're, they're seven, five, and one just turned four yesterday. So they don't know better. They, they think we're on, a, on an adventure. And so, uh, you know, on to the next and, but, you know, I'm excited about this opportunity, you know, coaches, uh, you know, coach Kennedy called me and we had a great conversation. I mean, it was just, we were on the phone for about two hours and it was just a phone call. It wasn't no zoom or nothing. It was just a phone call talking like back in the eighties when, you know, when you're on the phone talking, right. That's what it was, man. I just enjoyed our phone conversation. We talked about midnight. I, I kid you not. We we're just on the phones about midnight. And I, we, we we're just talking like you and I were, would be just friends and uh, getting to know him, who he is, his vision, his personality. He made me believe, you know, and, and I do believe in his vision and his mission. And it helped me to make this decision. You know, I, I think it's a great opportunity for me in my career you know, just working around people like him and also just, just opportunities too. So that's huge for me. So yeah, it, it, it was, uh, it was tough, but not tough too. And I, I do, I did enjoy the summer of, of moving because it was kind of like a fresh air of me just kind of, all right, let's just try something new. This is uh, going from the East coast to the South. First thing we're gonna do is get some good food. And we did. <laughs> 
you know, all the different stops you've been at, all the different locations you've been at, how do you think that plays into your favor in terms of whether it's coaching and just seeing a few things over your time mm-hmm. or recruiting with connections? Yeah. I mean, how, how do you think all this kind of plays into to you moving down to Louisiana and having such a, a prominent part in what McNeese State's doing? It has a lot to do with your, your, uh, your growth. You know, me working around different coaches, you get to see basketball at different levels and different styles of basketball, right? Different leadership. One day, if you, whenever, you know, for me personally, I do want to be a head coach one day, but, you know, I'm not in so much of a rush, but I get to see how my head coaches have done it and kind of take notes and different levels. So you get to see different levels of basketball um, uh, and how they're played. I think that's, that plays a big part in our career, uh, working for different types of coaches, style of coaches in regions, areas, um, you know, being from the mid, being from the Midwest, coaching Midwest, the East, the South, uh, you get to build a lot of connections and rapport with other people too. And it, it does help you uh, brand yourself and it helps with basketball in general. But um, yeah, it, it's, I, I think it, I, I think it's a pro. I, some coaches may see it as a con where you're, you're going here and there, here and there, but it's just a matter of just every ladder has a step, right? So it's it's step here, step there, and you know I, I enjoy it, and you know this is a great great staff, this is a a great institution, I enjoy being being here just as much as anywhere else. Can you kind of talk about something off the floor you've really had a big part in? Being the vice president, co-founder of the Asian Coaches Association, I know. I believe it was this last winter you guys were highlighted in the Washington Post with an article. You know, can you just kind of talk about where that's gone, where it started? Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny how it started um, back with 2007, eight. I was talking to a buddy of mine and uh, I, I met him and he's another Asian coach too. We just started talking like, are we the only ones out there? And we didn't know. We kept talking to, you know, other people, whatnot. And I reached out to, other, you know, other coaches out there in the game and uh, that's been there done it before me too but you know we started talking and trying to build reports of the coaches and then 2012 uh, I ran into well I spoke to Mike McPyle who runs the men's side he's our president and he's now the head coach at um, EC uh, Riverside congrats to him he got uh, the head coaching job there first Filipino um, to Asian Filipino to, to be a head coach at division one school um, so we were talking him and I and you know, me being on the women's side now, I was like, hey, you know, you if you could do the men's side, I'll do the women's side. We try to grow this thing. And we didn't think it was going to get this big. It kind of really just started off with maybe just 20 of us at the Final Four. He does it at his men's basketball Final Four. I'll do that at our uh, women's basketball Final Four, you know, convention. Just, just have some coaches out there to kind of grow professional development. And it just grew from, what, 20 of us to maybe over – I want to say over 250 people now involved. It's great, man. We've been doing this for quite some time now. And, uh, you know, we've got people all over the country, all over the world. I mean, people jump on from Asia, Australia, uh, Europe, uh, Canada, uh, East Coast, West Coast. And so they'll jump on. We'll do our uh, professional development. Uh, we're, We're growing to help them bring awareness. Just recently, we had pandemic year last year. We had a lot of Zoom sessions and where we'll have, you know, guest speakers come on and kind of help the growth of our uh, association. Uh, most recently, we had uh, Eric Spolstra with the Miami Heat jump on. You know, he's a strong supporter of us, too. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're trying to grow. We're trying to get it out there and help out, uh, the, you know, other 
other coaches out there. I mean, it's not just for Asian coaches. It's really for, um, you know, anyone, everyone that, that really wants to be a part of growth. And that's what we're all about. So that's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. Spolstra was on there and how you guys kind of have that divided up between the men and the women's side. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting too. You know, I even, I even talked to people just about the pandemic and how zoom like had opened the door for opportunities of like, you know, you mentioned the Asian coaches association and growth and how you can kind of connect with people. Not that some of that stuff wasn't available beforehand, but it just wasn't a common kind of thing. And now it's like, like we're doing right. Everybody just can kind of jump on with a click of a button and connect with each other, which is awesome. I guess kind of to wrap up, how do you get better as a coach or a leader? I mean, is there anything that you enjoy from books to newsletters, podcasts, articles, just anything that you enjoy to look at on a, you know, weekly, monthly, yearly basis, anything like that? The best way to answer that, Marcus, is how you get better. I think as as a coach and as a leader, you have to be assertive. Whenever I was at my NEI school, if you're not given a sense of direction, you have to give it to yourself. And you have to always be hungry and thirsty for that. I remember one year whenever I started coaching, it was in May. May was kind of like the dead period. I wouldn't say dead period. It's more of the down period for coaches, May and August, if you want to say it. So I had called and reach out. Uh, I called um, Brad Autry. You remember Brad Autry? Yep. Yeah. I called Brad and we were talking and Brad said, Yang, I, I'll, I'll always remember this. He said, if you are, if you're not doing anything in May, if you can't find anything to do in May to get better, then, then you should not be in coaching. And I took that and I ran with it. it, whether it's learning new plays or studying, like right now I'm trying to look into the Princeton offense, uh, you know, dab, dab into it a little bit, but just little things like that, just like studying different types of offenses or, 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 learning from other coaches and talking to coaches or even reading books. I think any way you can, you can always grow. There's always room to be better, get better and grow. Um, Be a sponge any way you can. I I don't look at someone just because I'm at a D1 school and you're at a D3 or NEI. I don't don't look at them differently where I feel like I can still learn from everyone, anyone, you know, men's or women's basketball, even high school, AAU or, or JUCO. I think it's more so the person the people, are they willing to teach? I'm willing to learn and vice versa. Um, I think it helps you to be a leader and coach as well, too, if, if you're willing to teach. Those that know me knows that I always preach about the power of three, where having three sets of friends, I think that helps you to become a coach and a leader where you're out there finding someone that's older than you so you can learn from, like a mentor, and you find someone younger than you so you can teach, and it helps keep you accountable, and that's also a leader. And then someone your same age as you as you go through this journey so that you guys can help keep each other accountable. You can bounce ideas off each other. Right. So you're learning, you're teaching and you're growing. So, I mean, I I believe in that. I think that's the best way to be a leader, to be a coach, uh, adjusting to to podcasts, to social media, uh, newsletters. Um, I'll jump on basketball groups, a lot of basketball groups and listen to zooms or uh like i mentioned earlier the, the princeton there's a group the princeton offense that they're teaching it i'll jump on and, and listen to what they've got uh going on with it that that for the most part i think it helps me who knows <laughs> a time would tell but in the, in the meantime i feel like i'm growing yeah we've had obviously now 33 episodes uh, with this one concluding but that's one of the most powerful things i think i've heard yet is that power of three i think it's simplistic but I also think it's very powerful and how many people could obviously, you know, most have a mentor, but again, that direct person your age and then somebody younger to kind of bring along to continue to just kind of pay it forward and everything like that. I think is super powerful. I appreciate you taking some time. I know you got the kids to bed tonight. You had the birthday party yesterday. 
you have season going on right now and obviously just going to continue to get crazier coming up here. So, you know, thanks for taking the time. Greatly appreciate it on my end. And Marcus, I appreciate you. I always value and cherish our friendship, man. And forward to seeing you grow as, as much as myself too but thank you so much for for everything and and looking forward to seeing you soon yeah man best of luck this season all right thanks man